Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. The scripture reading for this Sunday is Exodus 3, 1 through 12. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This past week, I heard an interview with a civil rights leader and a theologian by the name of Ruby Sales. And she talked about how to have a good perspective of life. And the way in which you do it is you hold three different things uh, in your vision at all times. You have to have hindsight, which is your ability to look backwards to understand the past. You have to have insight, which is the ability to see the here and now. And you also have to have foresight, the ability to not just look at now, but also look ahead, look forward. And when I heard her talk about this, it made me think about this monument series that we're doing. Because monuments actually do those three things. Monuments remind us of the past, where we've come from, who God has shown God's self to be in the past. Monuments also give us understanding of what is going on now in a deeper way. And monuments also tell us about the future. It gives us reason to have hope. When we hold these monuments, we know who's walking with us in the future. That's the purpose of this series that we're doing, Monument Series, is we're looking at different monuments and considering what they are teaching us and how we can have a better perspective on life. And this morning is, is no different. This is a story, beautiful story about a man named Moses, as we just heard. And there's several monuments in this story that we could take with us. But one in particular that I hope that we uh, consider this week as we go forward. To understand a little bit more about the story, we have to understand Moses' background. Moses was born in a very dark period. The Israelites, the people, the Hebrew nation, were held as slaves in Egypt. 
uh, by Pharaoh. And they became so populous that Pharaoh began to be concerned by this. And so he made a decree that all newborn Hebrew boys should be drowned in the river. And so in this really dramatic moment, Moses' mother puts him in a basket and releases him down a river. Imagine this as a parent, releasing your child down this river, the fragileness of an, in a basket. And in a twist of events, more beautiful than fiction, uh, someone sees Moses and rescues Moses from the river. And it's no one but Pharaoh's own daughter. And so she sees this child pulls him out of this basket and says, his name will be Moses, which means drawn from water, brought up from water. Your name will be Moses. And so Moses had this weird, duplistic life. He came to know that he was part of the Israelite nation, the Hebrew nation, but he also grew up in Pharaoh's house, in the palace, in the decadence. And he saw his people working as slaves, and here he is in comfort. And after a while, I believe, Moses began to have an inkling of a purpose, a God-given purpose to him, that God might use Moses as special as his life was, as unique as his life was, that God would use Moses to rescue and deliver the people. I believe that after a while, Moses began to wonder about that. But the problem that Moses had is he felt this purpose and then began to live in ways that weren't God's ways, and what we see in this story, before this story, is that Moses saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and Moses killed the Egyptian. And when this became public, uh, Moses had to flee for his life. And so Moses starts a new chapter of his life in this place called Midian, and he marries, and he be, becomes a shepherd. So think about that. From the palaces of Egypt to wandering around in the deserts with sheep. You have to wonder what was going on in Moses' mind and soul. The sense of loss, the sense of distance between where he was and the purpose that he felt. And he wonder, you have to wonder if he's looking back in the rearview mirrors with much regret in his life, wondering if God was still with him. And that might be some of us right now in this in this space, we might be looking in the rearview mirror of our life with a lot of sorrow and regret and loss, wondering if there is a future for us, especially with God. And if that's you, I just want to say, take to heart this story today, this message, this monument, because it is in the desert where God uniquely shows up. And he does this time and time again, and he might do that in your life today. He makes a monument. So in verse 1, Moses led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. He came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. The beginning of this story can teach us how monuments are made, how God's grace is forged in our life. Uh, notice here, do you think Mo Moses was looking for God on this night? Do you think that he was awaiting for God to show up in some supernatural way? This monument teaches us that every sacred moment in our life is initiated by God, always. It's not something we've earned, something we're striving for. God shows up in sometimes the most peculiar times in unexpected ways that God shows up. Why? Because God longs for you to know him, to be with him, to experience him. And this 
is always a thing of grace. But there is personal responsibility that Moses shows here, and it's very subtle. Notice in verse 3, after seeing this bush, Moses thought, and this sounds like kind of Captain Obvious, what he's saying out loud here, uh, but Moses saw in verse uh, in this verse, verse 3, so Moses saw this and said, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Of course, right? You'd think that. But there's something deeper to this. Notice in verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him. What caused this breakthrough in Moses' life? Well, first, yes, it was God's initiative, God's grace, but also notice that God was waiting and watching to see if Moses would draw close. He was waiting to see, Moses, are you gonna, are you gonna take a stop from your agenda? Are you gonna pause and come closer to see what's going on? Moses is displaying two things that are critical for us to experience these type of monuments. Attentiveness and spiritual curiosity. And they're incredibly important. Uh, this breakthrough happened because Moses was attentive and curious. Just think of the sadness in God's heart if he saw Moses see this fire, this bush, and Moses, too distracted, just walks on by. Think of the sadness and the loss that might, might have. We have to learn how to be attentive. My son, my 18-month-old son, Jack, has taught me about how to be attentive and how inattentive I can be, in part because he's the middle child. And so middle children kind of run around kind of wild. They're kind of forgotten about. They're like uh, stray cats in the neighborhood. You, after a while, you've named them. You got to take care of them and feed them. Uh, this is kind of the case with Jack. Oftentimes, we'll be outside. And Jack, often, the other part of the yard, will start yelling and yelling and yelling. And finally, Jenna will go, what, what is it? And his favorite thing to yell is pain, pain. And he's in the backyard. I'm like... Have we started spanking or something? I don't know about this. And Jack would be looking up at the sky, pointing up and going, pain, pain. Every time a plane flies by, he stops, points up, and goes, plane, plane. And what is really unique about this is it happens all the time. I think, I guess like my house is in like a flight you know, path to, to the airport because I did no clue how often we had planes fly over us. And so what I've started doing, I've started entering into Jack's world, and every time we hear a plane, we stop, we sit, and we look at this flying metal object going from miles and miles away and landing perfectly miles away from me. And it's amazing. And I hope that Jack doesn't grow inattentive to it. I hope that he doesn't just grow accustomed to it. Because the reality is I grew numb to it. And this is also the spiritual life. We can grow numb and inattentive when the humming sound of grace is passing us by and we have just grown used to it. We don't see it. We don't hear it. The Christian life is one of attentiveness. Perhaps this is why Jesus would often say when he would, when he would speak to people, for those who have eyes to see, for those who have ears to hear, because the reality is that not everyone had eyes to see and ears to hear. And I wonder how many days I go by without any expectation to see or to hear God. How many moments I blow past 
unlike Moses, how many times I blow past these burning bushes within my day because I am so distracted by my agenda, my anxieties, my technology, my busyness, and I walk by these moments. I'm afraid to think of how many monuments I've passed by. But Moses was attentive, and he drew near to God, In verse 5, God said to Moses, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I love that. This mundane night was sacred, was holy. This desert place where Moses probably wasn't expecting to experience God was a holy and sacred place. And Moses just slips into this without knowing, kind of like Alice stumbling down the rabbit hole, or, or perhaps it's like uh, uh, Lucy pushing her way through a wardrobe, stumbling into Narnia. Moses slipped into a transformative place and experienced something so sacred that God said, it's time for you to take off your shoes. The truth is, this whole world is lit up by the sacred flames of God. Every moment of our days, every square foot in this world. Why? Because God is always present. God is always wanting you to know and experience him. Even the psalmist, in a psalm, he wrote out these words, where can I flee from your presence? Where can I escape you, God? If I go to the highest heights, if I go all the way to the tops of the mountains, there you are. If I find myself in the pits, there you will also be. Have you ever experienced God in unexpected places? Why? Because God is always present. And it's up to us to be barefooted people, waiting, expecting, looking for where God might be. And I wonder if Moses was surprised by God's presence. I wonder if Moses thought that that God had forgot about him. I wonder how far Egypt felt like to him. And here is this moment of grace. But it was more than just a moment of grace. It was a moment of calling. In verse 7, God said to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out. Notice the attentiveness of God. I have seen, I have heard the crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. We should just stop here and notice the character of God, that he hears the cries of people, he sees the suffering of people, he's not removed, he is like present with suffering and with pain. And what's kind of unique about this is the Egyptian understanding of God, much like the Greek understanding of gods, were that the gods were removed and oftentimes they were compelled to be angry and one thing that really angered them was when people got noisy. They had like a a sound ordinance over the world. They didn't like it when people got noisy. And they would come down and they would strike people. Notice the difference in the character of God who's listening. Here's the cries of the people. And they're compelled towards compassion and grace and mercy and justice. And listen to this. Every time God has compassion, he does something about it. It's not like other people when, uh, when you hear something uh, harsh or bad, you gotta go, I, I'll, I'll pray for you, or I wish you well, I send you happy, positive vibes. God hears this and then does something about it. God is compelled to action. And we see this in verse eight. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from 
uh, out to that land, a good land that's spacious, a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. How is God compelled to do something about the injustices of the world? He sends people. I'm coming down to send you. This is what God does when there's things that are wrong. God looks for people to send them into places of God's compassion. And for many of us, I think that we would expect the story of Moses has here, this mountaintop experience, this moment of grace where God says, like, I'm with you. I haven't forgotten you. And the story would be over there. But the story of God is that God uses moments of grace to then send us out into this world. God uses moments in the desert where we're surprised by God's presence then to send us back into the Egypts of this world so that we might not only know that we're loved, but we might know that we have a God-given purpose to make a difference in this world. And Moses had every reason not to go. He could be made a slave again. He could be put to death for for killing an Egyptian. He had a lot of shame and regret, perhaps. But Moses was called by God. And I think Moses, he needed something more. He needed something more uh, to do that. And just like us, we need that. The reality is that God has a plan and a purpose for you. God wants to send you into this world just the same way, to befriend the lonely, to give hope to the hopeless, to give value to those who are devalued. God is attentive to the suffering in this world. He's not unfamiliar with what's going on in Puerto Rico right now. He knows the starvation. He knows the disease. He's sending people there. God sees the fact that there are people who are panhandling in Austin who are strung out and are waiting to die. He's he's very familiar with that. He sees people who are going through divorce and feeling like their future is without hope and purpose. In God's compassion, he wants to do something about that. He wants to send people like you and me. Although we have reasons like Moses did not to go forward. One of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples in John 20, 21, he said this. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Just God's words here are God saying, almost saying, I, I see the misery and the suffering in this world, and Jesus, I'm sending you. And Jesus comes to people like me and you and says, now I'm sending you. But how do we, how do we know our calling? How do we know our God-given purpose? I actually love the, the picture, the word, word picture of the, the burning bush. For me, it's a beautiful idea of what God might long for each of us. Mind you, in verse 3, Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. It wasn't just that there was a fire, but that this fire was burning and it wasn't consuming. It believed that this is God's desire for each of us, that we might have hearts and souls that burn, that we are lit up as people, but we're not exhausted. When have you experienced the grace of God in your life? And then when you go and after that experience of grace, you go in this world and you start serving with that God-given purpose, you will be set ablaze. Haven't you ever experienced that? When you've been sit into this world and all of a sudden your unique gifts come to life and you feel like, man, this is why I'm here. This is like a burning bush within each of us, our hearts and souls. We find in the New Testament that Jesus sent God's spirit to empower his people with a great purpose. And what is the image 
in this day that's called Pentecost, when God's spirit goes into people to send them into the world, what is the image that we find is fire. It's this image of fire. This, a lot of times you'll find artwork, old paintings, that describe this moment, and the image is of fire, this burning of within to go into this world. This doesn't mean that this calling will be easy, and it wasn't for Moses. But for that gap between our calling and our abilities, God gives us something. Verse 13, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to Israelites and say to them, The God of your forefathers has sent me to you. And they asked, What is his name? Then what shall I tell him? Doesn't that sound like an honest question? If you send me there and I get face to face with my fear, what am I supposed to tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is who you say I am. This is who you say I am to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. That name that God gives, I am who I am, is also the word Yahweh. It's the name Yahweh. And it's treated with such sacred, uh, holy treatment by the Jewish community and Jewish tradition that some people, they won't even say the name. When scribes would translate the scripture, they would have to use a new pen every time they wrote the name Yahweh. I am who I am. Why? Because this name is power. This name is holy. This name is sacred. I think it's because what was the answer to Moses' doubt? I am who I am. What was the answer to Moses' fear? I am who I am. When Moses asked the question, who am I? God's answer was, it's not about you. It's who I am. The beauty of the name Yahweh, the sages and scholars are not sure what tense it might be. What the tense of this name? Could it be I am who I am? But it also could be I was who I was. And my favorite I will be who I will be. I think that's the answer that Moses needed. That Moses needed to know that God will be who God will be. You might have a similar question to God. Who am I to make a difference? Who am I to be used by God? Who am I to go into this world with the belief that God might use little of me? And God might say, it's not about you. It's about who I am. And I left out my favorite part of this story, and it's the monument, is how we, how we will close this morning. The monument in this story, I love this, in verse 12. God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, and this is Mark's translation, the Texan version, y'all will worship God on this mountain. And this is important because I don't want you to think that this is about Moses worshiping on the mountain. This is God saying, And this is the sign, the monument for you, that I promise that you will will go to Egypt and you all, y'all, will worship together this God that you encountered here tonight. I believe that Moses had this night burned into his memory, the light, the voice, but especially the promise of returning with a whole nation of people, all because he trusted, I am who I am. And every step that Moses took towards Egypt, I wonder if he was saying that. He promised that he will be with me. And when he's in face to face with Pharaoh, I am who I am is with me. And when he was bringing the people towards the Red Sea with no escape, God promised to be who he will be. And when he's going through the desert, coming up to this mountain, Moses knew exactly who God would be. That God was faithful to his promise. 
And when he came back to this monument, you have to wonder what that meant to Moses. The fact that God was exactly who he promised to be. And what is beautiful about it is when uh, Moses goes up to this mountaintop, listen to what God says to him in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And God passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, I am who I am. The, God, this, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, the slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. Who was God? Well, God was who exactly he displayed himself to be. This is the integrity of who God is. You want to know who God is? Take up your courage and follow him, and you will see exactly who God will be. He was shown this every step of the way. And I think, what was at stake for Moses if he blew past this monument, if he blew past this burning bush? I think God still would have delivered the nation of Israel out of captivity, but Moses would not have experienced, one, who God truly was, and two, his purpose in this world. So we should be very careful not to blow past these burning bushes within our hearts, our souls, and our minds, because we might be missing out on the purpose that God has for us and our ability to see who God truly is. And who is God truly? Well, we see this in Jesus. We are reminded of who God truly is. In Jesus, we see a God who is full of compassion and justice and mercy, one who has the ability to forgive many, one who took upon the cross to show us the extent of his abundant, boundless love for us. And he then comes to each of us and says, not only do I want you to know of your love, but I want to send you now into this world to create the sacred ground in every inch of this world that other people could know who I am. So I want to leave you with a question this morning. And we'll leave you in a question is, where are you in this story? Where are you in this story? You, you might be a different uh, chapter of who Moses was in this story. You might be in a place where you're wandering around the desert wondering if you've lost your, your purpose for this life. You might be wondering if God's still with me. Or you might be standing in front of a burning bush with God speaking to you, calling you to go where you don't want to go and you're afraid and you're nervous, but also there's something within you that's saying this is good. Or perhaps you are, you're in the middle of Egypt and you're fighting for deliverance, you're fighting for freedom, and you need to remember that God is with you and he will be who he will be. Or perhaps you're back on the mountain that Moses was in and you're remembering God's faithfulness and you just need to spend this morning thanking God. God, thank you for how you have been a God of compassion and grace, abundant with love. Where are you at this morning? And perhaps your heart's never been set ablaze by the love of God. Maybe today is your day going, all right, I'm in. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to know what it's like to be with you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for uh, who you have been to us. We thank you, Jesus, who uh, you've displayed who you are. You're not a God who says it from a distance in a chasm, but you have said exactly who you are and you have shown it every step of the way. And God, I thank you for being gracious, for being patient, for how even though we blow past so many burning bushes in our life, you still show up, you still initiate. 
And I pray even for us as a community that we would learn what it means to have a God-given purpose to go into this world. And so, uh, friends, I just want to give you some space here and now just to, just to take to God wherever you are in this journey, wherever you are in this step of this, of this journey that Moses had, just to go to God and be honest with it. For those who need to ask for courage, ask for courage. Those who are grateful, give God your gratitude. For those who are fearful, ask for God's presence. For those with regret, ask for renewal. Jesus, you would set us ablaze, that you would set us ablaze by your presence in us, that we would be people who'd be sent into this world, knowing that you are a God who shows up, who wants to be known and experienced. And we thank you for this table that reminds us of that, the extent of your love and your desire to be known and experienced. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.